Well, tonight we're going to be talking and, and continuing our series in our Wednesday night equipped service of the heart of our vision. And someone asked me, they said, I, I, thought, I thought this, the vision was about relationships. Well, there's, there's two things I want to share. Every year we have a theme, and this year's theme is relationships. But the vision of the church is to reach the lost one relationship at a time. And so for the past couple weeks, we've been talking about that. And the first week, we talked about reaching. And what is that all about? What does reaching look like? And how do we reach the lost? Uh, ben Urbanozo spoke last week about the lost and what that means. And, and who is the lost? And what does God mean when he says the lost? But tonight, we're going to be talking about the one. That one relationship. That we reach the lost one relationship at a time. I think we can all understand what the Bible is telling us when it says that we are to do the works of the ministry. In fact, on the back of your bulletin, it talks about, or that scripture, Ephesians 4.11 tells us that we are to do the works of the ministry. That's why God gave some to be apostles, pastors, teachers, and so forth, so that we could do the works of the ministry. And by the way, on that tear-off tab, you have your Bible bookmark that you can do your devotions along with us. And uh, we have that quarterly. So that'll keep you in line with us doing our devotions together. But that one relationship, what does that mean when we reach the lost one relationship at a time? Now, when we were growing up, we, we, every, every class or every school or every grade that you went to always had that one person. That one either was a, a boy or a girl Maybe the boy was just that one person who was the bully. You know, he would always pick on people. He would always act like he's the man. He was the tough guy. And he would always pick on people. They always had that one person. Or then you had that one girl that nobody liked because she was acting all, you know, what is the word? I cannot remember that word. There's a word that we used to use. Tira. Well, no, not Tira because we still have them. But I don't know. She was, um, I, I forget that word. Um, Tanan uh, uh, Tanan, that's the word. Um, <laughs> but you always had people like that, that. They always had one person like that in school. And then you had that one person who was like the superstar athlete. They could, they could win at anything. And you wanted them on your team or you wanted to beat them. And, e and even if they won you 100,000 times and you beat them once, you won it all because of that one person. And then you had that one person that you could not get out of your heart. That you, you always thought of that person. That one person was always on your mind because you were in love with that person. I'm still in love with that person. And we celebrate 22 years marriage this week. So that's awesome. But that one person, that one, that one person in your life that you would say, yeah, I remember that one person, or you're still with that one person. Hopefully you are. Hopefully you're not thinking, oh, honey, I remember that one person I used to love. Oh, I remember that one person. That's not going to work well. You're going to need prayer after. <laughs> you always had that one person. And then you always had that one movie that you love. Like, what is your favorite movie of all time? There's that one movie you love of all time. And you would say, I could watch this movie all time day long. We always have that one favorite movie. Some of you are gamers. You have that one favorite game. 
that you play, Xbox, PS3, whatever you want to play, and, and, and you get into fights with your spouse because of that. You just have that one favorite game. Or for Heidi, you have that one favorite child. Now, if you have four children, <laughs> you better choose wisely. I don't know how you're going to do that. But Heidi always says, I'm the favorite out of them four. So I don't know, maybe that's self-imposed, but she thinks it's true. You always have that one, that one, it is true, that one in the family. The one, and then you have the one in the family that they're crazy. Like every party you go at or go to or any family gathering, you're thinking, oh, I hope they don't come. I hope they don't come because if they're there, uh, we're we just going to show up and then we're going to leave as quick as possible. Like there's always that one in the family. Now, you might be looking at this list and thinking, no, I, I don't think there's anyone like that in my family. You're the one. <laughs> You're that person. <laughs> You're trying to think of that one. I read a uh, Facebook post uh, the other day and let me find it. And it basically was talking about, and it's not really a, a Facebook post. It's more like a, just a thought that someone had. And it reads this. Since coming home from one of the best conferences, my heart and mind is so spiritually full of the things of God. All I have been doing daily since I am on spring break is soaking in God's words. I am absorbing it into my spirit, and God has given me such a new insight of his view on sin. Sin is sin. Society is being allowed to infiltrate the churches today, covering over sin. A generation has risen up that curses their mother and father. This same generation has been deceived about personal purity. Porn, music, foul language continues to be promoted as the norm. Ever go places and the first questions you are asked is, what do you do? Status is of the essence. People forget that everything we have comes from God. Today, while I was taking my sister to the doctor, I noticed a homeless woman sitting in the parking lot. She seemed to have been there for some time. I prayed for her. Where are the Christians who say they want to evangelize the world? I think back to this Christmas when my husband and I went to visit our son in the mainland and we attended church there. It was quite large, had everything there, restaurants, Starbucks, strobe lights, and very loud. Then... When we left the church, right across the street, there were countless homeless people. What's wrong with this picture? In the church, the pastor was taking up a special offering to send people overseas to evangelize. Yet right across the street, people were in need. I don't want to be a part of a team of believers who just sit back and stay comfortable. I choose to be on the team that God can use daily. I tell you, God is so wonderful, and only God is awesome. And when I read that, I thought, that is so true, that we can be in here, be comfortable, but then when we go out there, do we apply what we learn to the world that is dying yet to know Jesus Christ? But then I thought, wait a minute. After reading that, I thought, I wonder, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask this person, what did you do? Not in a negative way, but I'm curious what that person did. If they went over to those people and, and, and talked with them or gave them food or, or, or did something, because the opposite can happen too. We can be so focused on other people's flaws that we never see our own. That we're saying, why doesn't the church do this? But we're the church. Why didn't the church go to that 
the, the, across the street and go feed the homeless? Or why didn't that whole church go across the street and pray for those people or spend time with them? Well, the only way that's going to happen is if that one person, as the church, did that. So no sense saying, I don't see the church moving if you're not moving. The church is not a building. Church is the people. It's who we are. And when I read that, I thought, Lord, that's the whole process that you have given to us to reach the lost one relationship at a time. It's not the whole body of Christ all of a sudden one time doing everything. It's each individual doing what God has called them to do as the body of Christ. Imagine if your body, as the Bible likens our body to the body of Christ, did the same thing in a track race. It would not function. You cannot move. The body has to function as each individual part moves so that you can run and so you can move. The body of Christ is designed that way, that we are to reach the lost in this church one relationship at a time. See, that one relationship is very important. And in this, in this vision that we have to reach the lost one relationship at a time, you already know people that don't know Jesus Christ. You already do. We don't have to evangelize and put together some huge uh, crusade to reach your family and friends. You can do that by yourself. All you need is Jesus Christ, his wisdom and his love to reach the lost. Now, it's easier when we can invite people and there's nothing wrong with that. But why would we want to have one event out of the entire year when we can evangelize one relationship at a time every single day of the week? That we can connect with people and build a relationship with them because it's, it's more than just getting people saved. If our only goal is to get people saved, then what do we do after that? What do we do after they're saved? How do we help them help others? How do we help them with the next steps of their life. Because for many of us, when we came to know Jesus Christ, all our problems didn't go away. We didn't just come to Jesus Christ, oh, all my problems are solved. Oh, okay, we're good to go. No, we constantly need Jesus. We constantly need help along the way. And we constantly need discipleship, mentorship. We need that. So when we say we're to reach the lost one relationship at a time, really what it means is, that when you reach someone for Jesus Christ, you have such a relationship with them that you help them walk with Jesus. Yeah, but I'm not perfect. My life is not the best life. I have some flaws. I have some faults in my life that, that, people, that people would look at and they say, well, how can you help me with Jesus Christ? Here's, here's, here's where we go wrong. We think people are supposed to look at us and then model us. Remember now, Paul the Apostle, he said, follow me as I follow Christ. So it's not us they're following, they're following Christ. We just point people to him. We just introduce people to the person that we gain wisdom from. We're not saying we're the ones, we're saying Jesus is the one. Is our life altogether? Absolutely not. But is Christ's? Yes, it is. Even when people say, oh, I don't want to go to church because it's full of hypocrites. Okay, then don't go to church. Go to Jesus in church. Just do that. Because if you're looking at people, you're going to find flaws and faults so i tell people then don't look at people when you go to church just close your eyes walk in and then look to jesus if you look to jesus you have no excuse because he is flawless see that one relationship that jesus says to go after he did that for you he did that for you and i he said i'm going to place people in your life so that you can find me 
whether it was your upbringing, your parents, your aunties, your uncles, your family, friends, your coworkers, someone introduced you to Jesus Christ. And the question is, who am I introducing to Jesus Christ? I got to do the same thing. That's the great commission that Jesus said for us to do. He said for you to go into all the world and teach them about me. Go into all the world, baptize them, go teach them, let them know about me. Well, I don't know much about God. I, I know he cares for me. Then use that. That's your, that's your sermon. That's, that's, your, that's your preaching, teaching, your, your ability right there. Well, all I know is Jesus cares. That is the longest, shortest sermon you will ever have. And it will be the very best because that's all you know. And people will thank you for that. Imagine coming to church and then you say, all I know is Jesus cares. Let's pray. That would be the most memorable. I should just do that on Sunday. It would be the most memorable service. But think about it. It will always come back to Jesus Christ because that's that one relationship that is the most important. Jesus always saw the one. He looked at a crowd, but he saw the one. Remember the woman who was hemorrhaging for years? That he was going through the crowd, and she said, if I could just touch the hem of his, of his, of his robe, I will be healed. She touched the hem of his robe. She was healed. Jesus stopped and said, who touched me? And his disciples were like, oh, I was going to say, dude, he... Uh, uh, Lord, they, any, everybody was touching you. What are you talking about? There's so many people touching you. He said, no, someone touched me and power went out from me. In other words, someone was reaching out for Christ for a specific reason so that they could be healed, and Christ felt that, and he turned to the woman. He looks for the one in a crowd of people. They were hungry. And the disciples said, Lord, send them away. He said, no, we're going to feed them. They're like, we don't even have enough money. There's no McDonald's around. How are they going to eat? They're like starving. They've been with us for three days. And Jesus says, no, let them sit down. What do we have? And they found that one boy, some fish and bread. And Jesus said, that will be perfect. He always looks for that one. When he called his disciples, he looked for them. He searches for them. He always looks for that one. Jesus always has a target. He always, he always, whenever he walked, he walked with a purpose. He didn't just come to town and just, okay, whatever happens. He, he had a purpose for everything that he did, and he targeted people. And he spoke to them with such authority that even the religious leaders were saying, there's something with this guy. I don't understand what it is, but he speaks with such authority. That's because Jesus was concerned about each individual person. He was always concerned about that one person. There were 10 lepers that were healed. They had leprosy. They came to Christ. He healed them. They all left because Jesus said, go, go to the priest, see if you're healed, and go, go, go be made well. They did. Only one came back. And when Jesus looks at this one, he says something to him. And you can open your Bibles to Luke chapter 17. Luke 17, I'll read from verses 10 through 19. Excuse me, uh, yeah, Luke 17, verse 11. And then here's the story. It says, Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers, who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourselves to the priests. And so it was 
But as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, just one, when he saw that he was healed, turned, uh, returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan, which they didn't get along with, with Jews and Samaritans. So Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Now when Jesus says, Where's the other ones? Where's the nine? It's almost like when we try to reach out to people, one relationship at a time, you may, you may reach out to family and friends and, and your coworkers, and, and you're just kind of blanketing as much people as you can. They may never come to church. They may never come to know Christ. They may never glorify God or, or do the great things that you envision in your mind that, that's possible in their life through God. But there may be that one, that one person that comes to Christ, that one person that you might say, there's no way possible that this person would ever come to know Christ or ever step foot in this church or a church. But what Jesus illustrates is there is. There is always the one. There is one that God is placing in your life that he's saying, this is the one you are to target and reach. That is the one where all your, your entire radar system should be on that person. You may have 10 or 50, and that's fine, but there may be one that returns to me to glorify me. And Jesus says, go on your way. Your faith has made you well. He rejoiced with that person. He didn't say, oh, bummers, man. I had 10 of you guys and only one of you came back. Well, whatever, let's go. He said, no, you have been made well. Go on your way. See, when, when one person makes a decision to follow Christ, it matters to God. Because Jesus is always looking for that one. He healed one at a time. Matthew 15, verse 30, it says that a vast crowd brought to him people who were lame, blind, crippled, those who couldn't speak, and many others. They laid them before Jesus, and he healed them all. He healed all of them. He can, he can heal each individual person because he's always looking at the one. And when he heals one at a time, he heals them all. He's always concerned about the one. If you're so scattered and you're trying to do everything, you miss the one. If you're just saying, well, I'm going to just tell everybody about Jesus, you can do that. But can I, can I encourage you to find one? at least one person that you kind of target, you, you kind of zero in your radar and you say, but this person I'm, I'm going to really focus on. This person will be the one. Someone once said, if you chase two rabbits, they both will escape. And you can picture that in your mind. So when it comes to people, if you just try to scatter yourself, and you, and you do that, that, that's okay because you can, you know, reach people. But who is that one person? Who is the one that the Lord would say, this is your target? This is the one that I am calling you to stay close to, to love on. And I want to encourage you, at this church, one of our boundaries is as a male, my target is always another male. 
As a woman, your target is always another woman. It shouldn't be the opposite sex because that's where it gets a little funny kind. So you don't want to go that route. Ask the Lord, Lord, what, as a man, what man can I reach? As a woman, what woman can I reach? You give me that target. Some of you might remember this uh, game, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask them to play this audio. And I want you to think in your mind what game this is, and then just yell it out as, as loud as you can. Well, not as loud as you can, but just enough so that we can hear, okay? Are, are you guys ready for this, Kevin? Can you, are you guys ready? You guys ready upstairs? Okay, try, let's play this for a little while. What? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I know some of you guys said Mario. I know some of you guys said Duck Hunt and things like that. <laughs> it's Duck Hunt. Give yourselves a hand who said Duck Hunt. <clears throat> Now, in Duck Hunt, now some of you are wondering, like, what is Duck Hunt? If you don't know Duck Hunt, you don't know games. You don't know games. So this game, when it first came out, oh, now you guys talking all your secrets. Oh, I used to play Contra, up, down, up, down, left, right. So in this game, the whole goal was to shoot the duck. How violent is that? It started off with Duck Hunt. But there was no target on it. And some people would cheat. They would go right up to the screen and shoot. But even that, you couldn't get the duck. And when you missed, this is what you saw. I don't know if we have that, that screenshot uh, or that graphic. Oh, no, that's when you got him. <laughs> so, <laughs> get the dog. That's so violent. That's so violent. Look at that. Do you, you don't have the one where they flew away? There was, there was, you know when you miss the duck? It flies away. And you feel so bummed because that's, that's the, the only opportunity you had to get that duck. That's not the one. That's a dead duck. So there, there, when you miss, because oh, is it live? Hey, are you guys playing upstairs? You better bring me a control right now. Oh, wait, wait. I think they're going to miss. That's why. Maybe let's, let's just watch this for a little while. Oh, memories. Look, fly away. Watch the dog. Look, he's laughing at you. So think about it this way. When you, when, you miss, when you miss that duck and it flies away, don't you feel bad? Because you want to get it perfect. You want to get the entire role perfect. Now, when it comes to reaching the lost, you don't want them to fly away. You just don't want them to go away. You don't, you don't want to lose them because that's, that's for eternity. It's not just here on this earth that we miss that opportunity for people, it's for eternity. Because when we get to heaven, we want to be perfect when we get to heaven. We don't want to look back on our days here and say, shucks, we missed that one. That was my target. That was the one that God called me to reach. That was my target. In this, in this game, Duck Hunt, you don't, you don't have that target. You couldn't calibrate your target. You just had to almost like hopefully you hit the duck. But then they have games now that's a little bit more advanced, uh, you know, Call of Duty and Black Ops and, and, and Ghost and all of that, that. And it's a way more violent than shooting a duck. But now they have targets. It's like gaming has evolved to a place that 
that we may have never thought was possible. But has the church evolved to a place that we thought was possible? Have we come to a place that, that we've said, it's about me now. I've got to get my life together. I have to get my act together. I have to, I have to get my marriage together. I have to, and although true, in the process of all of that, have we forgotten the lost? To reach the lost one relationship at a time. See, my life doesn't get better apart from reaching the lost one relationship at a time. For some reason, and I think many of us can, can agree with this, that when we're reaching out to someone else, it's like God pours into us for that person. And we get better as a result of God using us to reach out to someone else. But if I just stay to myself and I just, it's all about me, I don't make a difference. Therefore, my life is not different. I don't get better. I actually deteriorate and I get worse. But if I'm saying to the Lord, Lord, use me, I want to reach out to someone else. I want to find that one person, that person to be my target. The question is this, how do we do this? How does that happen? Well, here's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9.22. And if you want to turn there, it'll be a great scripture to kind of put to your heart and to memory. Paul the Apostle in 1 Corinthians 9.22, he says, When I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness, for I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessings. He says, I try to do everything, everything possible. Paul was saying this, that what, whatever God has called me to be, in who he's changing me to be, I must always have a target. Always. I must always reach people. There's no other option as a believer to reach people. He says, everything I do, I, I, doing everything I can to save some, I do everything to spread the good news. I do everything. What Paul was saying is, everything is connected to a soul. Everything is connected to a soul. Every person matters. Everything he does matters. And so for us as a church, everything we do is connected to a soul. Everything we do, from printing to the lighting that we have, to the cameras that we purchase, the video that we have, the instruments that we have, everything we have and everything we do is connected to a soul. Everything. We don't just buy TVs for our fellowship hall so that we can have them. You know why we put those in there? So that when you invite your family and friends, if they don't want to come in here because they're scared it's going to burn down, bring them in there. <laughs> bring them in there. Feed them. And they can watch the service in there. They're still in church. They're, staring, they're, they're still hearing the gospel. They're still being fed the word of God. Some of them, they won't even go in there. They'll just kind of stay on the outside. So we're planning to do something on the outside. We do everything possible so that we can save some. Everything possible. That's why we have our website. So we can do everything possible to save some. On Easter Sunday, uh-oh, I'm going to launch this, but we're going to be ready. We're launching our app. We're going to have a New Hope Hilo Hawaii app so that they can download it on their phone so that we do everything to save some. 
That even though they don't want to come to the property, we bring church to them or a message to them. You can say, you know what? You don't need come church if you don't like. But you can download this on your phone and it can go on a Samsung Galaxy or an iPhone or like an Android uh, platform so that they can view the messages or the services, see all of our events, and then they can pick and choose when they're going to show up. But I tell you, everything we do is done with a purpose. You think these seats are for you? They're not for you. It, it starts off that way. And all of us, when we were purchasing these chairs, we purchased two. Some of you were here when we purchased these chairs. They were $40 a piece. We contributed $80. $40 for us and then $40 for someone else. That so we purchased these seats to reach the lost. That's why there are empty seats. Tonight we're going to pray over these seats that God would send the lost and that we'd reach out to that one. So you might be questioning yourself and saying, so what if I make mistakes and what if I'm not qualified? Did you know that Paul struggled with that too? He struggled with that. In 1 Corinthians 8, 13, and I'll read it. He says, so, so if what I eat causes another believer to sin, I will never eat meat again as long as I live, for I don't want to cause another believer to stumble. Now this is what Paul was saying because they were talking about meat that was sacrificed to idols. And if a non-believer or even a believer saw him eating the meat, they would say, hey, that's meat sacrificed to idols. Paul knows there is no other gods. And the Bible talks about that, that there are no other gods, so eating meat sacrificed to another god, it doesn't matter because they don't exist. So grind, go, eat. And so Paul said, but if it causes another person to stumble, I won't eat meat ever again. Imagine saying that. Oh, if Eating ice cream causes someone to stumble. I'm not going to eat ice cream ever again. I mean, in your heart, you're hoping that you won't, you know, stick to that. But what Paul is saying is he is that serious about people coming to know Christ. The question is, are we that serious about reaching that one? That we're willing to change our character. That we're willing to love those who are not lovable. That we're willing to put up with some of the junk that may come our way that we're willing to put up with someone who is not there yet, that we're willing to love a person whose, whose lifestyle is not according to the Bible, are we willing to reach out to that one person that would be our target? Are we willing to do that? Are we willing to say, if I'm causing someone else to stumble by my holiness, then I want to reach out to them, that I would find common ground. That's what Paul said. I want to find common ground so that I can do everything possible to save that one. 2 Peter 3, 9, it says that the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. He's going to use you to reach that one, that one person. And we're going to pray tonight. You have empty seats around you, and, uh, and, and here's how we're going to do this. And the reason why we're going to pray over these empty seats is so that when we see the Lord fill them, you know that he's answering your prayer. And it may be the person that you're praying for. It may be that one. You may have been praying about a person for a while, and maybe they are coming to church, or maybe they, they do show up, and you're saying, that's the one. But you don't stop there. You keep reaching out. Keep developing that heart for those who are far from God that we reach the lost one relationship at a time. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads for a moment. 
Heavenly Father, as we pray to you, we want to be people who reach the lost one relationship at a time. We don't want to forget about what you've called us to do. That's the heart of the vision of our church is to reach the lost one relationship at a time. And, and we want to have a target, Lord. Give us that person. We've been praying about people and in the past couple of weeks, you've been giving us that person that we, we are to pray about. And we have empty seats next to us and around us. And I'm going to ask right now is, is if you would just put your hand on an empty seat and you might be in a row of people, but just put your hand on an empty seat. And I want you to visualize that person sitting in that empty seat one day. Lord, we pray over these empty seats right now that we would have a target, that we would pray for those that are far from you, that they would come to know you as their Lord and Savior, that we wouldn't take for granted our relationship with you, that we have one. When we get to heaven, we want to be perfect because your heart is that none shall perish. You're not slow about your promise as we count slowness, but your desires that none shall perish, that all come to repentance. And we pray over these seats that you would fill them with those who we are reaching out to. There's always the one, Lord. There's always the one. And in your sight, may we be the one that you use to reach that one. In Jesus' name we pray, and we all said, amen. Amen.